This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, thank you. Good morning. It's good to see all of you out today. It's been wonderful worshiping with you this morning. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real high, and we're going to jump right into the Word of God. We'll begin in Isaiah chapter 14 today. What you saw there is some vows. It was pretty obvious. But the goal there was to give you what would be a positive vow and then also a negative one. And again, we all have the abilities to, to have vows and oaths that literally uh, conform our lives, that we are affirming something. And every one of us in this room at one time or another, we've, we've made statements like, I will never, and you can fill in the blank, I'll never do this and I'll never do that. And these become a self-oriented commitment if I'm not careful. And it's always made into response to a person, an experience, or even a desire. But I, I can literally be bound by these, these I will statements. So again, we're in, I don't know, the fifth or sixth week here of whom the Son sets free is free indeed, according to John chapter 8, verse 36. And I believe that today. I believe through some of the Word of God here today, it's going to get in your heart and it's going to set you free. So we begin in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 14. And once I get there, we will begin reading there in verse number 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. Talking about the devil. How you were cut down to the ground or thrown down to the ground, you who weakened or destroyed the nations. For you have said in your heart, for you have said to yourself. Now, every one of us in this room, we've done this before. We've said stuff, whether it's in our heart or we've said it to ourselves. Now, watch the power of this right here. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. And so the devil himself, he has these five I will statements that are literally dealt around pride and and self-centeredness, rebellion. But when we begin to see the devil do these things, I will, I will, I will, they have a tendency to set not only his course, but they can set my course in life. And oftentimes what I found with these I will statements, these inner vows, is we stay bound to them above anything else. It likes, it's it's my commitment. It is the the one thing that steers the course of my life. Now to understand this a little bit, let's go to the New Testament. We'll be in Mark chapter 7, and then we'll go to Matthew chapter 5. And so right there you saw a, a vow was words that were spoken. But not only were they words that were spoken, it was from the heart. And so if we were to study scripture a little more on our our words, Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So it reveals real quick how powerful my words can be. I will, I will, I will. And so when we say those things, those things begin to take root in our heart. Now we begin here in Mark chapter 7 verse 14. And when Jesus had called the multitudes to himself, he said to them, Hear me and everyone, hear me and everyone and understand. 
Listen and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. The Amplified says for the word defile, it says those are the things that will literally pollute him. Now that verse is cross-referenced into Isaiah 59. That verse says, your lips have spoken lies and your tongue has muttered perversity. The word mutter literally means to meditate or speak things within ourselves. So every one of us have muttered certain things. We've said things to ourselves or in our heart. And it's very important because he said those are the very things that will defile us. Keep reading. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked concerning the parable. So he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from the outset cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. He said, what comes out of a man, that defiles him. Now it's interesting his wording here, what comes out of the man that defiles him. For from within or out of the heart of men. So he's telling us here the intent or the thoughts of a man's heart. Matthew 12, 34 says this, out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth will speak. So if you ever want to locate really what's in your heart... Just listen to what you're saying. Because again, he makes it very clear. These are the things that will defile us. These are the things that will pollute us. And he goes on to say there, at the end of verse 21, they proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. Thirteen inner vices. Now, he makes it real clear, these are the things that come from the heart, and they have the abilities to defile us. So when we start talking about these, these inner vows and things, watch how it is explained in, in Matthew chapter 5. Turn with me back to Matthew 5, and we'll dig in here, because the Lord's got some incredible things to say today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Again... You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely. The message says empty promises. He goes on to say, but you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. So literally what he's saying here is don't say anything you don't mean. Because we make vows or oaths and oftentimes we do them very casually, but they are a very big deal. And they become centered around what I will or won't do in my life. And so literally they become a significant commitment. And if you'll notice in there, he said at the bottom, but you shall perform your oaths. Now, some of the things we begin to say is stuff like this. Well, I'll, I'll never marry anyone like my father. I'll never be in another relationship. I'll never allow anyone to hurt me again. I'll never forgive that person. How about this? I'll never cry. You know, a lot of times you have men that have made that statement. 
And oftentimes things happen to us maybe in our childhood or teenage years and maybe you shed a tear and someone made fun of you and said things to you and you literally looked at them and said a vow in your heart and said, I'll never cry again. Do you know that was the case in my own life? The only time I ever remember crying growing up was when I would lose in a sporting event. I hated to lose. But if someone slung me, I'd never cry. I'd hold it in. And, and then guess what happened? That set the course for many years of my life until Jesus came into my life. And so Jesus has the ability to set us free from things that we've vowed and we've said. And so every one of us in this room, we've made certain vows that, that we couldn't keep or we kept. And they set the course of our life, maybe for a negative way. Now, when we read these things... In the Old Testament, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 3, and I'm going to turn, chapter 23, I'm going to turn there. You don't have to go there. Write this scripture down. This is Deuteronomy 23, verse 23. That which is gone from your lips, you shall keep and perform. For you voluntarily vowed it to the Lord your God, what you have promised with your mouth. So again, when we begin to see this, my, my mouth has incredible power. I'll never be in debt like my parents. I'll never be a drunk like my father. And so again, when we make these vows, we start heading in that course or that direction. Now he goes on to say in verse 34, But I say to you, do not swear or make vows at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one, or from the devil, or from a form of pride. Now we go back to what the devil said. I will, I will, I will. So right here he's telling us here, do not swear. Do not make these vows. Do you not bind yourself to an oath. And so when we begin to see these, a vow is binding. It becomes words that, that confirm or affirm something within me. Now, the positive side of that is the marriage covenant. That to me, the most significant things in a marriage covenant, I shouldn't say the most, but one of the most is the vows. The vows you make with each other. And oftentimes people will say this about marriage. Well, it's just a sheet of paper. Not in God's eyes. It was a big deal in front of God. And so when you make those vows to each other, I like to say it this way also, that when you make those vows to each other, those are your spiritual contract that you've made with each other and before Father God. And then the other side of that is when you exchange the wedding band those rings are to be a continual reminder of the vows you made between each other and before Father God. And so when we see that, we understand those vows are a big, 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 big deal. But when it's made in a negative way, oftentimes the reasons it's made in a negative way, it's tied to judgment or unforgiveness. Wow. And so what literally happens when I tie it to judgment or unforgiveness, 
Now a course has been set in my life and I'll begin to gravitate toward that course in a judgmental or unforgiving way. I'll never forgive them. And so oftentimes you begin to see how that begins to take place. So turn just one page to, to the uh, Matthew chapter 7. And we'll begin to look at this even a little deeper. Because Jesus has got some great things to say about this. So what ends up happening is when I make vows that are in a judgmental or critical or unforgiving way. These can literally become my highest level of commitment. Even more so than even serving Father God. And they uh, silently begin to steer my life. They can direct my life instead of allowing God to do it. Now here's where judgment comes in. This is how you know that judgment has evolved. When I think I can look at a person and I can tell you why they did to me what they did. So let's just say that Felix has done something to me that's wrong. And I say why he's done that's wrong. So when I say why he's done that's wrong, it immediately tells me that I've passed judgment on someone. I mean, you think about this. I don't know why he would do what he did. But when I try to act like I know why he did it, I've passed judgment. One way you can always tell that you have judgment within you is anytime you're plotting vengeance or revenge. It signifies you've judged another person. Let me ask you this. How many have ever laid awake at night thinking how you can get even with somebody? You know what that's a sign of? I've probably passed judgment on them or at least I have a strong root of unforgiveness in me. Now watch what Jesus says here to help us. This is Matthew 7 verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Judge not. Now, when I read this, every time I read this verse, I have to ask myself, is this even possible? Because it seems like we go through life and we're judging everything. And I look and I think, Jesus, you got to be kidding. Judge not or condemn not so that you won't be judged. Now, the Lord Jesus said in Luke 17, verse 1, He said, It is impossible for you not to be offended. It's impossible. So you know what? He just warns us there that every one of us that go through this thing called life, we're going to be offended by something or someone. So the issue isn't is if we're going to be offended. The issue is this. How am I going to react to that offense? Do I do it God's way? Or do I do it the way of the world? Because the way of the world says, you know what? Get them back. Go after them. And so right here he says, judge not that you be not judged. Now oftentimes a warped view of love would be this. Well, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is I just want to help them. I just want to fix them. Well, God's the only one that can fix anybody. And so again, we really, really need to heed what he says right here. So we go to verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. 
Now this is eye-opening to me right here. Because we live in a society that loves to judge. We judge and we judge and we judge and we judge. And one of the reasons we judge is because we think we have the right to do it because our First Amendment right says that we have the freedom of speech. We ought to be able to say whatever we want to say. Well, when you look at the freedom of speech, speech isn't free, okay? And so it's very easy for us as human beings, especially in our society, to become very judgmental and critical. Just watch the news in the evening, and you'll be judgmental and critical. How so? How many of you have ever touched your, your TV screen and said, You liar? That's not true. I've done that. I've got up and I've poked the guy on the TV screen. And rah, 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 rah. You know why? Because I think I have the right to do that. But when I look at what the Lord Jesus says, there's strong warnings in here. He said, you know what? You can do that, but understand this completely and fully. To the measure you judge, it's going to be measured back to you. So is all hell broke loose in your life? Could it be because I live in a judgmental or critical attitude and I have the thought, I'm God's police enforcer here on earth. Keep reading. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Oh my goodness. Let me give you my paraphrased edition of that. Why do you look at, not look at the sawdust or you look at the sawdust in their eye but you don't realize you got a two-by-four sticking out of your eye. And so when I look at this, this becomes very eye-opening because for every one of us in here, it's easier to fix other people. You know what? I, Felix, I can help you. Sorry, when you sit on the front row, you run the risk of that happening. But again, that's our thought in a warped way. I, I'm going to fix you. I'm going to help you. Well, he gives us clear advice right here, and he says, how do you think you can help the person who's got sawdust in, your, in their eye when you're walking around with a two-by-four in your eye? Verse 4. Or how can you say to your brother, Hey, come here, Jack, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Again, if I'm not careful, I become the self-proclaimed police. I just want to help people, bastard. Verse 5. Hypocrite. You know what a hypocrite in this sense is? A hypocrite is the person who says, I see your faults more clearly than I see my own. That's a hypocrite right here. Because he goes on and says this. First, remove the plank from your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so he's literally saying, listen, you got to get that two by four out of your eye. And if I'm not careful, I live very critical of other people. Do you know the word criticism? That's what one of the fruits of the Spirit, okay? Criticism is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's a thing of the world right here. So when we read this, my life becomes very influenced by what I focus my attention on. In other words, I become bound or, or I become in, in a trap by what I, I keep my eyes on day after day. And oftentimes when you see this, 
it causes me to either do one thing. I either get closer to God or I become more judgmental and critical. Now, in this next passage here, go to the book of of Galatians chapter 6 with me. Go to Galatians chapter 6 because I want you to see some things here that will begin to help you. Galatians chapter 6. I have to pay real close attention of what the Lord Jesus said there. Let me just say this as you're turning to Galatians 6. Be careful not to make vows or oaths to become judgmental or critical based on what people post on, on, in the, on the internet or social media. How many of you guys realize this? Everything on Facebook isn't always true. And you begin to see that some of the stuff that's posted online is almost shocking to me. And if you listen or read everything that's on there, before long, I'm going to tell you, you're, you're going to run the risk of making oaths or vows and saying, da 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 that against that person, that against that person. And God never wants us to be that way. And so be very careful what you do with those things. And so understand this, any time in my life that, that I pass judgment, it, it, it's almost always hand in hand with unforgiveness. One of the reasons I have unforgiveness in my heart is because I become critical to another person. So again, when we look at what the Lord Jesus said, you've got to be very careful with the oaths and the vows you make. And you have to ask yourself this question. Is the vow I made to that person, is it based on unforgiveness? Am I being critical because of what they've done? And so stuff will happen like this. Well, I'll, I'll never be like that person. I'll never be like my mother. I'll never, I'll, I'll never forgive my boss. Is that off of a judgmental or critical way? See, those are questions that I always got to remind myself of this. And so there's a guy, true story here. And his father wasn't real good to him growing up. True, there, there's nothing we can despise or change about that. And so what began to happen is this young, begin, this young man began to say, I'll never act like my father. I don't want to be like my dad in this sense. I don't want to do the things he's done. Before long, the very criticisms and the very vows that he made towards father, they set the tone of his life and he began to follow that course. And guess what ultimately happened? He became the very person that he despised. Again, With the same judgment that you judged, you will be judged back with it. And oftentimes, we think, why is God not moving in my life like I desire to? Could it be because I'm so judgmental and critical about everything in my life? Galatians chapter 3. Or Galatians chapter 6, verse 3. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught or trained in the word share all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. Do not be misled. Do not be tricked. God is not mocked. God will not be made a fool of. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now, life is somewhat of a garden 
that grows the seeds I plant in it. What type of seeds are you planting in it? And if I note there in verse number 7, he says, Whatever a man sows, he shall reap. Me and you cannot escape this law. This law right here is an eternal law. And so what literally happens here with the words of the Apostle Paul is me and you every day, we're planting seed all day long. What type of seed are you planting? Do I plant critical seeds? Do I plant judgmental seeds? And again, here's a great thought I believe that will help every one of us. If we go around planting watermelon seeds, we're not going to get cantaloupe, okay? That may be a mystery to some of you today or a revelation. But again, when you plant watermelon seeds, you're going to get watermelon seeds. So if I'm planting critical seeds or judgmental seeds, I'm not going to get the blessing of God, okay? I'm not going to get the love of God. Guess what's going to come up? A great crop of judgmental and critical seeds. And again, I cannot get away from what the Lord said right here. You judge, you're going to be judged. Every one of us. I I can't get away from those things. And so when I begin to look right here, what he begins to say over and over, I begin to understand throughout my life, every day I'm planting seed. He goes on to say this. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So you know what he tells us here? He gives us two choices. I'm going to live by this thing called my flesh. And if I live by my flesh, I'm going to get in trouble. My flesh acts up. My flesh does exactly the opposite of what God would desire me to do. But he gives us a choice here. He said you can live by the flesh or you can live by the spirit. And so when I begin to live by the spirit of God, some of the manifestations of the fruit of the spirit is in Galatians 5. It's love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and meekness. I don't know about you, but those are the seeds I want to plant more and more. I want to plant goodness and gentleness and kindness and meekness. But again, if I allow my flesh to dominate me, that's how I'm going to live. Now, Romans 12 verse 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the word of God. You know what he's telling me right here? If I don't keep getting into the word and living by the word of God. My life is going to be molded and shaped by this world. If my life is molded and shaped by this world. This is the seeds that are going to come back to me. Okay. And you can live that way. But when I see don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the word of God. You're hearing the Word of God today. It's a great thing today to leave with the Word of God. But when you get into the world tomorrow, don't don't start acting like the way you used to. Say, Holy Ghost, help me today. What an invitation to, to ask Him to help you. Because again, the Lord Jesus said, in this world, you're going to be offended. It's going to happen. Keep reading here with me. And let us not grow weary while doing good. You know what that tells me? You're going to have an opportunity to grow weary. For in due season, you know what due season is? A lot later than you think. 
For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so right there, he gives us opportunities here. He begins to tell us stuff. You're going to have to get a hold of this. You're going to have to live by this. Keep doing good. Purpose in your heart. Holy Spirit, help me. So when I look at all this right here, Every one of us in this room have probably made intervals at one time or another in our life. That may have been negative. That may have been tied to being critical or judgmental. I'll never forgive that person. If it's the last thing I do. And oftentimes, again, when it's tied to being judgmental and critical... The thermometer that will tell you the reading is, do I plot vengeance? Do I plot ways of revenge? Retaliation? And if I do, I'm going to tell you, something is embedded in my heart that isn't good. So what do we do? We begin to renounce those. What I mean by renounce is I stand before Father God and I say, Father God, I ask you to forgive me for being judgmental or critical. I ask you to forgive me for being prideful or arrogant. And then something begins to happen when I begin to respond to the things of God. Now, before I stand you up here this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Anytime that I plot vengeance in that, I'm, I'm taking my, my own course of my life. In other words, I'm not letting God come in. And so when we study all this here, I told this story a few weeks ago, and I'm going to tell it again. Because it reveals two things. Number one, this person was holding unforgiveness and judgment and they were critical. But when I began to talk to this woman, she spewed with retaliation. So the story was, this, this lady had been coming to church for years. And there's no doubt in my mind she loved Jesus. But there began to come some things in, her, in her, her life and her heart. And you could literally begin to see her heart really harden. A sign of a, a hardness of heart is, I won't repent. A sign of a hard heart is people quit worshiping God. Just, they just start going through the motion. Well, before long, this woman had said to me that she, she had cancer. And the cancer began to grow and it began to grow and began to grow. And I really wondered this day if the cancer wasn't birthed from the bitterness that was in her heart. But before long, she had a tumor the size of a volleyball right here in her stomach. That's big. And so she calls the church one day and she's in the hospital. She's up here at Covenant, sixth floor. And she said, Pastor, I want you to come and lay hands on me and anoint me with oil today. I said, I'll do it. And so I told her that I was going to come that afternoon. Well, I got in here and started praying. And the Lord spoke just real clearly to my heart and said, don't pray for her. And of course, when I had that thought from the Lord, I said, why, Lord? And he said, I've dealt with her heart for years to forgive. And she won't do it. So again, you know, I'm thinking, great. I've told her I'm coming. So I'm going on the way up there and I'm praying on the way up there. And I, I get in the elevator and it... It becomes intent with me. And I don't know if you've ever been rebuked real hard from the Lord. 
I mean, it's very authoritative. And I heard the Lord say to me, do not pray for her. And so now, I mean, you know, again, you're in this tug of war. You're thinking, oh my gosh, sister so-and-so thinks I'm coming up here to pray for. So I go walking in. She's elated to see me. Pastor, you're here to pray for me. And at that moment, I remember looking at her and saying, I'm not going to pray for you. And she looked at me and I said, the Lord told me why. You have unforgiveness in your heart. And until you forgive him, God cannot heal you. And I said, cannot. And she spewed. And out of her mouth, I mean, it's like she sat up and she growled and she said, I'll never, there it is, there's that inner vow. She said, I'll never forgive him. I'll go to my grave before I forgive him. And we see right there what begins to happen to us. That her life's course was based on that inner vow that said, I'll never. So again, oftentimes we look at these things as very casually or innocent. But they begin to control. They begin to set the tone for my very life. And I believe every one of us in here, we've said stuff like that. I've never. I'll never. I'll never do this or that. I, I could tell you story after story. I mean, I had a guy one time who came in and he said to me, he said, you know, my dad grew up in debt. My dad was always broke. My dad was always doing this. And he said, I've made a vow. I'll never be broke like my dad. And you just kind of look when people say that. And so again, it gets me off track from listening to God. And I start putting my own agenda before God. And without knowing it, I'm being steered in this certain direction. And oftentimes we wonder, why is this happening in my life? Because if I judge, I'm going to be judged with the same measure to be measured back to me again. I know some of this isn't pleasant, but again, this is the truth. This happens to be the truth. And when Jesus said stuff that he says in the word of God, he's not kidding. These are universal laws. And so throughout the week when I begin to meditate on these I tell you, I just start doing inventory of my heart. It's like I just open this filing cabinet and say, okay, Lord. Okay, Lord, bring stuff to my remembrance. Bring stuff to my mind. And it's amazing how many things have, have charted the course of my life because of certain vows. I'll never allow that person to hurt me again. I'll never allow people to get that close to me again. How many of you have ever been hurt, hurt bad by someone and you've made that comment? I've done that. I've had people right here in the church do things to me. And I'd say to the Lord, I'll, I'll never allow people to get close to me again like that and hurt me that way. So what do we do, Pastor? We renounce those things and we say, Father God, I don't want to be dominated by that. Am I judgmental? Am I critical? See, it's very easy to get in that flow in our society to this day. And, and we act like it's innocent because you know what? We live in a society that we have a right. If I want to judge you, I'll judge you. I'll spew at you. See, I look at our, our society. This is a nation that is spewing right now. And you begin to see the hatred, the retaliation, the revenge. Whether it's this group, that group, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're white sheep, black sheep, brown sheep, swirl sheep. We're all sheep, okay? 
We all bleed red. We are all created by God. And we're all human beings that have the same characteristics if I'm not careful. And guess what? Prejudice is not a genetic thing that's given. Prejudice is something that's taught. It, it just amazes me things that happen in our society. So again, what would happen if we would begin to say, I just want to forgive. I just want to walk in love. I just want to love people. Just love people. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.